0: This podcast is produced by the brand is female. Always works, always with me. Always works, always with me. Tensei, hello, and welcome to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host Shayla Olette Stonechild, and I'm very excited and honored to have Nicole McLaren here with me today. You may have heard of her work; she is the founder of Raven Reads, which is a subscription service delivering Indigenous books and giftwares across Canada. So her company champions the growth of Indigenous-led companies and is passionate about advancing Canada's journey of reconciliation. We speak of her journey as an Indigenous entrepreneur, as well as how she's transforming the landscape for Indigenous-led innovation, storytelling, and reconciliation. I hope you're inspired just as much as I was through this conversation. Hi, hi. Have a blessed day, y'all. I'm very excited and honored to have this conversation with Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much for joining. If you just want to introduce yourself to the audience, where you're from, a little bit about your background. uh, Hi, hi.
1: Yeah, Tansi, uh, Nicole McLaren. I'm the founder and CEO of Raven Reads. I'm originally from Surrey, BC, but uh, my Métis family uh, comes from Saskatchewan, and that's where I spent a good portion of my adult life going to university um, in Saskatoon. And then I'm back in BC now in a rural community just outside of Kamloops, BC. So when did you make that
0: move to BC?
1: Yeah, I came back to BC in about 2015 after I had my first daughter. So I came back to be closer to family.
0: And so, how has you know this last year been for you? I can imagine as a mother, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, and also being living within a pandemic and living within the unknown. How has the last uh, year been for you?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm not a I'm not known for relaxing very well, so I thought I'd have a baby in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> while well, also grow my business. So. It's been uh, a very productive year and uh, I'm really planning on coming out of this pandemic with a ton of grit.
0: Yeah, well, I think and I think as Indigenous people, like we are naturally <laughs> have a lot of grit and a lot of resilience. And I think we're so good at adapting to the world around us, but also recognizing like this year has been extremely hard. And especially as, you know, as Indigenous entrepreneurs, we are already um I feel like historically and presently, we've always been erased from like the economy. And so I feel like that we're now starting to see a shift. And so how has it been for you? When did you first, um, you know, what made you want to be doing what you currently are doing right now?
1: I had been working uh, in the mining industry for, for almost two decades and through my various roles Um, particularly in Saskatchewan. I was learning more about my own Métis heritage and my own family. And I just saw how terrible the communication was between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people, particularly in Saskatchewan. And I just saw constant opportunities to improve that, that communication. So over the last few years, I was working specifically on improving economic development projects in First Nations and, I was working for a corporation in Vancouver and I was looking for ways to engage my coworkers in the reconciliation movement immediately after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission had released its report and its calls to action and I had started a book club uh, over the lunch hour with my coworkers as I saw it as kind of this um, you know, no cost, didn't take time away from, from everybody's work. And when I saw how impactful some of our indigenous stories Mm. was, it was doing a better job of explaining things to my coworkers than any corporate classroom session was going to do. Mm. And I had come across the subscription box model and thought I, well, I saw a great opportunity to kind of marry Indigenous literatures with with the subscription model and, and really start to get this important message out to all Canadians.
0: And so how long has the Raven Reads uh, subscription box been around? And could you uh, tell listeners a little bit about, if we bought one of those boxes, what would we receive?
1: Yeah, so we were founded in 2017. Um, And we offer a uh, selection of Indigenous books and giftware curated from Indigenous authors and entrepreneurs across Turtle Island. Mm. So every three months, we deliver a box straight to your doorstep with a new release novel and two to three gift-like items that we curate from other Indigenous entrepreneurs. Since we've launched um, through the procurement of goods for our boxes, we've also invested over $400,000 back into the indigenous economy. Mm,
0: That's awesome. And like, it's only been since 2017. That's amazing to hear that it's already been so well-received. And I know one of my followers was actually curious how you decide what goes into a box.
1: Yeah, so I've been involved with indigenous entrepreneurism for several years. And I actually started a nonprofit called the Indigenous Women's Business Network Uh, back in 2016 and that was really just meant to create a community and it's through that that we've developed quite an extensive list of other Indigenous entrepreneurs that are out there. So I've just gradually have created a bit of a a database of of women specifically that are out there and Mm. it's just through our work and our networking that we identify Amazing new brand. So I'm always on the lookout for new undiscovered brands.
0: Mm. And then how much does like, um, so if you get the subscription, like how much is it uh, for the three months?
1: So every three months, you can choose from a subscription that renews every three months or every six or every 12. And then the mm-hmm. starting price is $88. And then there's a discount if you get the longer subscription packages.
0: Oh, sweet. So you could do like an annual subscription.
1: Exactly. And then I'm
0: trying to imagine, like, what was the process um, before this came into existence? Because I know as entrepreneurs and artists, there's usually like a creative process or maybe like a, a vision board or some kind of um, initiation before we actually see it in the physical reality. And so I'm curious to know, like, where did you like, how was that process for you?
1: Yeah, so I was living in Surrey and I was commuting two hours downtown vancouver every day for work so i had about four hours of commuting on public transit (laughs) so i increased the data package on my phone and i would spend my early mornings and late nights doing a ton of research on my phone to build up a bit of a business plan Mm. and then i started to purchase subscription boxes from other subscription companies and i would really just kind of get it home and tear it apart and look at the quality of the cardboard that they used and um, you know, how do they ship it? Does it come in a plastic bag or is it coming just as the box? I'd look at what kind of content they'd put in there. Is there a bunch of cards like inserts and other information? Does it look like they mostly fill it with their own products? Does it look like it's all other curated products? So it was just a lot of evaluating similar products. And then really starting to go out and look at my pricing options. But I knew that I wanted to sell a quality product because I knew I'd have a higher price point on it because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to be buying thousands of units uh, from overseas at a, you know, a ridiculously low price. So mm-hmm. to be able to price it higher, I wanted a beautiful brand that looked beautiful when it landed at your doorstep. So I spent a lot of time just on the design and kind of looking at what I really wanted to model it after.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love how you mentioned that because I I was actually just talking about that earlier today of, um, you know, sometimes as Indigenous people, we don't have maybe the role models or the people out there that are, because when you're young, they're like, oh, choose your role model so that you can, you know, follow in their footsteps. And then it's like, well, if you haven't seen that happen before, then it's kind of like, where are those role models? And so I love that you bring up that you actually were seeking out other subscription boxes. And so that kind of like, made it so that you you recognize like your dream could come true because other people are already doing it in a different kind of way and so i think you know what would your advice be for um indigenous entrepreneurs that are maybe just starting out i know it can feel incredibly daunting even just the word business plan for some indigenous entrepreneurs and so what would your advice be for uh the ones that are seeking to start a business
1: yeah so just touching on the business plan piece i know it's a very daunting um endeavor and you'll hear such polarized perspectives on the importance of of such a plan but really it's the exercise itself going through it and you don't really start to appreciate that till you're a few years in but Mm. just going through the thought process of what are your risks uh what are your opportunities And what are you going to do if you see insane success and you need to scale faster than you possibly could imagine? What's your game plan for that? So it doesn't need to be this incredible 40 page essay that you're going to no one's going to grade you on it. But uh, it's just really important to think through the journey and and thinking through how you're going to handle various things that come up along along the way there. In terms of, you know, recommendations for other people looking to get into it, it's, I didn't think big enough. And right. I think it's really hard specifically for indigenous people, we can tend to be a bit conservative and feel guilty if we sound a little too ambitious or a little too capitalist. Yeah. And, um, you know, you specifically in the last few years, I've seen a lot of other brands getting incredible traction and attention. And they get approached by, you know, these massive wholesale or retail customers who are asking for massive volumes and we're just not ready to scale up our production fast enough or we don't have our pricing figured out for that. So just think big, mm-hmm. but also think of where you can go and possibly innovate as in a space, right? We tend to focus on you know, making goods that we enjoy making or sticking in that kind of smaller consumer product space. And then we kind of find ourselves all kind of competing for a very similar market. So Mm -hmm. think of bigger industries and spaces you don't see indigenous peoples dominating yet. So whether it's kind of the, you know, the aerospace industry, or even the construction industry, like other places, if you have a passion for it, don't be shy to try to push in and create a bit of space. Mm.
0: Yeah. I guess there's like so many um, intersections that come with starting a business as an indigenous person. Cause that's definitely something that I've thought about. It's like, um, I think about sustainability and I think about how it affects the planet and if it, if it's harming or doing more harm than good. And so I'm curious to know, like, is everything that you, like, is your box made here in Canada or what was that process like for you to even finding, um, the resources that you work with?
1: Mm -hmm. So it definitely is, um, front of mind for me. So I do, uh, stick with domestic options and that's partly, from an ethics perspective and a human rights uh, value that I have, it's also a risk mitigation thing. So we saw that with the pandemic, a lot of people that relied on raw materials from overseas um, and we still have this looming supply chain issue right now that's impacting people. So just from a risk perspective, I like to stay domestic, but I knew that one of the values of our business would be around, the importance we place on where we get our products from. So mm. we do buy indigenous as much as possible. So clearly everything in our box um, is indigenous made or indigenous designed. Mm-hmm. We are still working on trying to find uh, cost competitive options for more of our packaging materials, but those are all certainly manufactured here in BC.
0: Sweet. That's, that's good to know. And I'm curious to know like a little bit more about your journey. I think often, you know, we hear a lot about the challenges and then we hear, you know, a lot about our traumas as Indigenous people. But I'm curious to know a lot about, um, you know, some of the highlights and maybe some of the success and joy that your journey has brought you so far.
1: Hmm. Yeah, my, my journey certainly has not been linear. You know, I went into the sciences in university. And I've been working a very corporate job for almost two decades. And I started Raven Reads while still working full time. Mm -hmm. I did that for over two years. So I was actually working full time, uh, you know, with with a family as well as doing this in my evenings and weekends. So certainly one of our one of my biggest milestones was making that leap to do this full time because I knew Mm. that I was kind of hitting a plateau where I knew if I wanted to take it bigger and better I'd have to to be in it full time Mm -hmm. I maybe wouldn't have planned doing that at the exact same time I found out I was going to be having another baby but
0: (laughs) (laughs) what can you do I mean (laughs) we're the backbones of our families how many kids do you have
1: I've got two girls nine and one and a half
0: I know one and a half. And I'm curious to know like growing up uh, being Metis, were there any matriarchs um, that you were inspired by that kind of um, inspired you to get to where you are today?
1: You know, I have a very common Metis upbringing in that I was quite disenfranchised from my, my family. And it wasn't until I moved back to Saskatoon to go to university that I really started to dive into that a bit more. Mm. So unfortunately, I didn't have, you know, great role models with that respect, other than um, many of our elders within the Métis nation itself that I that I definitely looked up to. But what I've decided to do is really just bring that back into my family. So I focus a lot on setting up a bit of a, a better platform for my own girls when they grow up that they've got that in place.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important. And that's something that I even like, because um, my mom's Métis and my dad is Nehya uh, on Plains Cree. And for a long time, I even disregarded my Métis roots because I felt like less indigenous or something with even our own communities. And so I'm curious to know, like, what does being Métis uh, mean to you in your own words?
1: I've always appreciated the talent of Métis peoples to be able to walk in two worlds. Mm. And I kind of see us as the original liaisons between between two completely different worlds. And I first saw that I couldn't quite figure out why. But when I worked back in industry and working in the field uh, in Saskatchewan, I could hear both sides of the story quite well. And I could empathize with with everybody's Um, views on certain topics. So I see myself as just being able to hear both sides and understand where everyone's coming from and really just play a role in trying to improve that relationship. And that's really the pillar that Raven Reads was founded on was just trying to continue to find tools to promote improvement of that relationship between indigenous and non-indigenous peoples.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love how you bring up kind of curating a more objective lens because you can understand like a bit of both bloodlines and lineages. And it brings me back to that um, concept of like two-eyed seeing. And that's how I feel even being indigenous in like a modern day sense. It's like reclaiming, yeah, our roots, but also our values in a very colonized world at the same time. And really the intention is to come back to kinship and relationship. And so I'm curious to know like with everything that's happened, even within the last week, with the National Truth and Reconciliation Day, um, do you see, you know, Canada slowly starting to shift more towards truth and reconciliation? Or do do you recognize that, you know, we have a long ways to go?
1: I acknowledge we still have a very long ways to go, but there's some value in kind of just looking back, say, at the last 10 years and Mm -hmm. acknowledging how far we've come like to have this just even be a topic of conversation in the general public uh is a huge change from where we used to be and i think you have you know the majority of canadians listening and looking for guidance on what they can do as individuals Mm -hmm. and i think that's just you know you gotta just look at how far we've come and Still acknowledge that there's still a long road ahead of us, but appreciate that you've got people listening and they're just looking for ideas and opportunities to become engaged and, and do a better job. So, I think you have to start with awareness and education before you can expect any sort of action. So, I think we're getting, mm-hmm. they're becoming aware.
0: Yeah, and I feel I feel like um, Indigenous businesses and entrepreneurs um, create that awareness and that storytelling through, you know, product and through other ways. And so, has your product itself been well received by non-Indigenous people?
1: Yeah. So our target market for our box is actually non-Indigenous people. Interesting. Sweet. Yeah. So when I was looking at development of the product, I kind of looked around at. You know, who were my coworkers and who were people that I thought would be open to accepting, you know, first off, spending that Mm -hmm. amount of money every three months on things like books and and giftware, but who needed to read these books? So I didn't want to Mm -hmm. develop a product that was just going to preach to the choir, per se. So, uh, yeah, so the majority of our subscribers uh, actually identify as non indigenous. And it's just a perfect product because it gives them something they can take into their home and mm-hmm. um, you know work on that awareness building in in a safe space where they don't feel um, you know kind of put on the spot so
0: right 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 yeah. And how does one get into, like, your subscription box? If there was Indigenous, um, you know, authors that are listening or artists, how would one get to be inside a Raven Reads box?
1: Yeah, so anyone can contact us at support at ravenreads.org or they can message us through Instagram or Facebook. We do have a team that's constantly um, responding to those things. And then what we do is we just keep a list and then every season, you know, we look for new types of things we can put in the box and new brands that kind of work together, uh, complement one another. So we love to hear about new and exciting brands that are out there.
0: Sweet. Well, I'm like, I gotta grab one of these boxes because I'm I the I swear most of my bookshelf is just all Indigenous authors. And I I always try to dabble in other authors, but I'm like, there's so many great Indigenous authors out there that are writing stories that I feel like in a historical sense, Indigenous people have always been seen from like a stereotypical lens. And I feel like We're now at a place where there are so many indigenous people um, reclaiming their voices and their stories and writing these great, fascinating books. And so when you think of like indigenous futurism, I feel like we're kind of on the first step towards that path of seeing ourselves exist in different spaces that we've been left out of. And so for your hopes, for, you know, your future and even Raven Reed's future, what does indigenous futurism look like through your lens?
1: I want to see more Indigenous entrepreneurs embedded throughout the entire supply chain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I want to see more Indigenous representation in every sector and industry that's out there. Um, I want to see more Indigenous presence at the negotiating table for um, fundraising, for equity, capital and investment. Mm -hmm. I just think there's so many opportunities and I can see a lot of industries sitting there with their arms open, ready to accept more underrepresented or racialized entrepreneurs. And I just don't think it's on our radar yet. So the more we can amplify those that are in those spaces, I think it'll just create a more diverse um, inventory, per se, of role models for kids to look at because... I think in our younger years, we are more ambitious and we see those opportunities, but Mm -hmm. we get older, we kind of take the path of least resistance. So I just want to see, um, you know, see us diversify into more... Mm
0: Well, I know we talked a little bit about like some of your highlights and your successes along the journey. And now I'm curious to know, because I recognize there are a lot of challenges um, being the only Indigenous person at the seat at the table. And so I'm curious to know what has been maybe one of your biggest challenges and learning lessons uh, throughout your career.
1: Yeah. So most recently, I've been really focused on trying to raise some equity capital for Raven Reads because we have a slew of projects that we want to embark on that would help other indigenous entrepreneurs.
0: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. And I have found the learning curve for seeking investment. um, Like it's it's an insane learning curve. And there's not a lot of resources out there. I think we tend to get driven towards really risky term loans and and traditional sources of capital that Mm -hmm. are packed full of barriers for women, for indigenous peoples in general. And Mm -hmm. I just don't think we've seen enough women go down that path of um, getting investment and and working with that more dilutive capital source that it's just super foreign for us. And it's really scary, but I would just love to not be (laughs) feeling so alone in that. Yeah. And so we just have to watch, I think, specifically with Indigenous women is we can silo ourselves and then that limits our access to certain supports. So,
0: mm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I think sometimes um, I know for me, sometimes I have a difficulty asking for support, I think because we have so much uh, indigenous women, I feel like are often put on pedestals that we have to like attain and accomplish everything. And like, sometimes we feel like we're doing it alone. And so I guess my next question would be for, you know, indigenous and even non-indigenous listeners, how can they support indigenous entrepreneurs and indigenous women?
1: Yeah. So easiest way is just continuing to share our stories, you know, like sharing our social media posts, spreading the word, word of mouth is just, is the best thing. It's free. It takes two seconds. Um, Really helping to get the word out, but also really, you know, being our ally in the sense that if you see an opportunity for partnership, that you're really kind of bringing people together to take advantage of opportunities like that.
0: And for for you, for the next uh, 2021, I know we're heading into like holiday season. So what's on your horizon for the next uh, bit of this year?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, this is definitely like that <laughs> funnel pinch spot where it's, Yeah. what I'm trying to do is just perfect what we currently do. So as a team, we're really looking at how can we just improve our customer service, improve our retention strategy for those that are considering not renewing their subscription and just adding more value to what you get from our current product. So, we want to, um, you know, just have a more fulfilling experience for you beyond the box. So, you're feeling more engaged with us and maybe accessing some more content. Mm-hmm. We also are working on adding. Because so much of our work is working with other Indigenous businesses, right, because we're, we're curating and procuring from these businesses, is we want to start looking at how we can offer greater wraparound support for our suppliers to help them grow as well. So we've got some exciting uh, projects planned out for that next year.
0: Awesome. Well, I look forward to receiving a box and I'm curious to know how can listeners, if they are wanting to purchase one, how can they find one? And where can they find you? <laughs>
1: yeah, So uh, just head over to ravenreads.org. We offer a beautiful adult box as well as a children's box, which includes books written or illustrated by Indigenous authors and illustrators. And you can pick from a variety of subscription options there as well. You can also find us on Instagram at raven reads or on Facebook.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for sharing a bit about your journey and for a little bit on the insides of what it's like being an Indigenous entrepreneur within this fast and evolving economy. Um, I look forward to seeing the rest of your journey unfold. Thank you so much. If you just have any final thoughts.
1: Um, fun, yeah. So first off, thank you so much for having me today. For final thoughts, I think let's just keep... Um, amplifying as much of our indigenous sisters as possible and helping spread the word of all the amazing things they're working on Um, really continue to kind of find those diamonds in the rough that are just emerging and maybe haven't had the platform uh, to share their stories so far and and uh, make sure you're sharing with all your friends for this upcoming holiday season it's
0: gonna be a good one I can feel it already (laughs) I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love your feedback. Follow me on Instagram at shaila0h at matriarch.movement. And don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible. I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound Engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and Production Support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and Digital Growth, Kayla Gillis. And Partnerships, Natalie Hope.